and welcome to another book on the shelf podcast i'm jet and i'm jen we're on 141 yeah. uh it's february so we're obviously talking about james baldwin because obviously. we love him yes um number one because it's february and black history month but mm-hmm. number two because it's james baldwin and we should talk about him all the time yes correct <laughs> just you know like as a side note yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's our it's our annual James Baldwin yes. read. So Yay. Um I'm so distracted because I have the book here and like he's obviously on the cover and I just yes. oh, I just want to hug him. I know, right? <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh so yeah, we have done this is our fourth? It is our fourth, yes. Man. Yeah. Did another country. Yep. If Beale Street could talk. Baldwin. Yep. Never forget that one. And then Giovanni's Room. Yes. Which, like, in my head was like, how was that last February? I know, right? But also, like, feels like eight Februarys ago? I don't know. <laughs> time is time is weird. <sighs> I know, because I was on the... Sometimes I try to share the, like, Instagram archive stories, because I have nothing else to post. Mm. And the one who was, like, the Joan Didion book, and but it was, like, from, like, last year. I was like, that was, like, a year ago? I was so confused. Oh, man. Yeah, that's nuts, actually. <laughs> wow. Like what? That doesn't feel like it was. It really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, time is a weird, oh, weird construct. Yeah, yeah, truly, <laughs> truly is. Anyway, let's talk uh, a little bit. Yes, why don't about you talk James about Baldwin. the book. Yes. So we are talking about Notes of a Native Son this time, which is a collection of ten essays uh, by James Baldwin, which was published in 1955, which mostly uh, tackles issues of race in America and Europe. Um, it's his first nonfiction book. Yeah. Yeah. And it compiles essays that he'd previously um, written, like they'd appeared in other magazines like Harper's uh, Partisan Review and The New Leader. Um. Yes, Notes of a Native Son is widely regarded as a classic of the autobiographical genre, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. Um, Although that's not where I was looking for it when I was in the bookstore, and then that's where I found it. And I was like, oh, right. Oh. Okay. Yeah, because I wouldn't have, like, out of the ten essays. Yeah, like, they have, some of them have biographical, autobiographical elements, but, like. But I wouldn't have thought a lot of them don't. The percent, like percentage-wise, right. that it was, yeah. Anyway, like it might be fifty-fifty. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. Modern Library placed this book number nineteen on its list of one hundred best twentieth-century nonfiction books. Oh, yeah. I think that's a list I want to look up. Um. Right. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, and in spite of, uh, so his father always wanted him to be a preacher, but he always wanted to be a writer and was trying to find his path as a black writer. And even though he was not European, American culture was informed by that culture as well. And he's grappling with, like, other black writers. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, it's great. I know. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know James Baldwin, if you have not been here... Number one, go listen to those other episodes. Go read Another Country, like, immediately. Oh, yes. yes. Like, that is not just my favorite Baldwin so far. It's yeah. also one of my favorite books. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, James Baldwin was born in 1924, uh, passed away in 1987. Uh, he was an American uh, writer and civil civil rights activist. Uh, he's garnered acclaim for his work across all the forms, so essays, novels, plays, and poems. 
Is there like a poem collection somewhere? I don't know. We're going to have to look into this though. Okay. Write all, all these things that we want to look into. Make sure you're worth Oh, yeah. Writing this down. Writing it down. Um, his first novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain, was published in 1953. Uh, and in, on, a, on another list, in 2005, Time included it in its 100 Best English Language Novels released since the year of Time's first publication. So basically in like 100 years. Oh, cool. Years. Uh, and yeah, this was his first essay collection. Um, I, have, I have Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I have another essay collection which is the devil on fire the devil something something like that but it's more there's there's the fire next time and then the devil finds work or something like that. oh that's what it is i'm mixing those two i might i may also have both but i definitely have um i think i do have both uh because the devil finds work is all about films like that's film cool. Essays. We get a little a little taste of that in here. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's probably what like, this kind of like led to that different like mm-hmm. categories of things. So, yay! Oh my god, just so good. Um, so because it looks like we have the same copy. It came out in 1955, and then was republished in 1984, mm. which is where we get a preface. By James Baldwin. Yes. And then this edition was 2012. And it With has... the introduction by in... Edward P. Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is the one I have. Yeah. And yes, yeah, so there's just like so many good things. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and like part of it, I think, in the, the Jones introduction... Mm-hmm. My notes are obviously a mess. So I was well because like I started reading. I was, <laughs> I was so mad, because um, I started reading on the plane when I was going to New York, whenever that was, and I'd read the introduction and the preface and then mm-hmm. got into the first essay. Mm-hmm. But because all that other stuff is like, the pre pages. Oh right. I still like didn't get anywhere in the book. Like, <laughs> but I was like, but I just read like twenty pages. Yeah, that's um, true. That's funny. But something there was talking about how something was written in, because like Baldwin spent time in Amherst, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and like part of stuff was like written there, and I was just like, "Why is everything happening in Amherst, Massachusetts? I need to go there. You need to go there." Okay, I might have to investigate it for this next yeah. time. I, I I did after we talked about Pale Shadows. Uh, damn it, drinking game so fast. We're only five minutes in. <laughs> um, I looked and like the the commuter rails don't go that far because like it is actually oh, like okay. that far. Um, there's got to be some kind of like tour trippy something. I would think so. There's got to be like even like a bus or something that goes out there. Yeah, because I think it's I think it's about three hours. Okay. Um, I don't know because it's one of those weird like skinny but like long states, you know, like horizontal states. Oh yeah. But yeah, like all the Dickinson stuff and like the university there, like there's mm-hmm. got to be ways to get there so basically i just got distracted before i'd even like started the book because i was like oh my god Amherst. <laughs> nice yeah i just was like so in the introduction by edward p jones mm-hmm. he says this thing um 
I'm going to just fully quote him right now. We're already there. Uh, The wonderful thing about writers like Baldwin is the way we read them and come across passages that are so arresting, we become breathless and have to raise our eyes from the page to keep from being spirited away. And I was like, yeah, that is the experience of reading James Baldwin. (laughs) Like, you just, yep. Yeah, summarize that so nicely. Like, there are just passages that you're like, oh my god. Like, it's one of those ones that I'm usually really bad um, at remembering to, like, actually mark up mm-hmm. my books. Yeah. But when I'm reading Baldwin, and I didn't, I was not consistent throughout, so some of these essays I'm going to have, like, better notes on than others, yeah. so apologies for that. Um, but I always, I'm like, oh, I need a pen. Like, yeah. I need, I need a pen so that I can mark down some of like these passages because it's yeah. just so good mm-hmm. it's just so good i know i always have my that that was when i i think another country was like the first book that i started doing my like washi mm-hmm. tape marking with oh yeah, yeah yeah um partially because when i started i was still having the like i don't want to write it in a book <laughs> <laughs> i'm weirdly less weird about it when it's something like an essay collection. I don't know why. An essay yeah. collection, I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to write on this. Yeah. Whereas I'm still weird about it with my fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. So I know with all the other ones, like, I had so many little, like, because mm-hmm. I, I put the washi tape so I can, like, see it in the book. But then I also, like, have my phone open to, like, make notes, like, in and out. Nice. That's smart. But, yeah, like, with Baldwin, though, I'm just, oh, I do feel that need and mm-hmm. not, like, no fear of writing in like i would yeah want to yeah yeah (laughs) well and even just like to think about like that quote from jones like even like because there's a lot of you know stuff going on in some of these essays that like not like saying it's over my head is not the right kind of thing like i understand it but it's just like so outside of my experience or whatever yes yes but like i just don't even care because like it just Mm mm-hmm or, like, you know, I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it just... Right? And you just get so distracted where, like, yeah, then, like, sometimes, like, you're not making as many notes or, like, mm-hmm. because you're just, like, I just like seeing his combination of, like, words on the page. Same. He's just, he's truly, truly an incredible writer. And because, like, there's, you know, like, 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 big words or, like, you know... Uh, not commonly used words or not frequently used words but then also just like but it never comes off as like oh I'm trying to use big words no like, whatever. exactly it's just, it all just feels natural you don't I rarely get stopped on a word like even mm-hmm. if it's something where like once I finish the sentence I'm like wait what was that I'm like okay but like you don't nothing ever because it's just all perfectly flowing so well you just keep going and just kind of understand everything and like yeah <sighs> I know I just. I agree. I agree. And the so whole. Yeah, sorry, sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say like so. Like the whole time reading this, like I had to keep going, like reminding myself this was. Well, I mean, published in 1955, so like a lot of the stuff you mm-hmm. can tell because he's kind of talking about like when things happened was like in the 40s. Mm-hmm. But it all just reads as if. Oh yeah. Had this had just come out. Yeah. Partially because a lot of the topics have not changed. Right. Because people are garbage. But it still, it just has that... I don't, like... I don't know how to describe that, but, like, yeah. Timelessness. Mm -hmm. But then also, obviously, 
still ties into so much of what's going on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good. Yeah. And I feel like we did, like, obviously, like, we've read a lot of his fiction, but it mm-hmm. was nice to, like, get more of, like, stuff from, like, his perspective. So even just yeah, in his, same. like, the yeah. notes, you know, talking about, um, you know, when he first read, like, he was 31 when he was, like, most of this mm-hmm. stuff was written. And, like, he'd gotten, like, a letter from the mayor of New York when he had, like, written a play when he was a kid. Oh, and yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just, like, but then, like, he'd also kind of been, like, being a bit of a preacher when he was, like, 14. But then he yeah. had done that. And then he, like, got the fellowship. And then was, like, writing Go Tell It on the Mountain. And you're just like, man. I know. Yeah, it was cool the way it's organized, too. Like, the first, it's, it's, it's divided into three parts. Uh, the first part is kind of, like, more literary and cinema criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part, I mean, the second and third part, I guess, are more heavily autobiographical. The second part, though, is more like in America. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is in Europe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool. It flows really well, too. Once again, I'm always like, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the way that the that essays are organized in a collection or like short stories or any small pieces that are in a collection together. Um, but it all flows very well. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like I just have a million, like, notes and quotes and stuff. Uh, do you have any specific thoughts and or notes on the autobiographical note? Like, the section called autobiographical notes. The first section. Book. The that first. was, like, his little, like, Oh, yes, preface. the first little. Um, do I? Do I? That's so an excellent question. Um, I don't seem to have written anything down because this was probably when I was just like, oh, Baldwin, Baldwin, I'm in it, I'm in it, and just like forgot to actually okay. make notes on anything. <laughs> okay, so My bad. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. So that, okay, I see I'm confusing myself because my notes are weird too. The preface that was written, he wrote in 1984 while he yes. was in Amherst, Massachusetts. Okay. And I want to know what he was doing there. That was my question. Um, okay. And then it's the second section that is called, the, the first essay is called Autobiographical Notes. Yes. Okay. That is where my non-autobiographical notes were incorrect. Okay. Um, so tell me about autograph, autobiographical notes. What did you think? What did you like? I mean, I mean, again, I just like. <laughs> yeah. He's great always. Well, because, like, one of the first things that I have marked down is one of the quotes from that essay. Um, So that any writer looking back over even so short a time span as I am here here forced to assess finds that the things which hurt him and the things which helped him cannot be divorced from each other. He could be helped in a certain way that only he was, but only because he was hurt in a certain way. And he is simply to be enabled to move on from one conundrum to the next one is tempted to say that he moves from one disaster to the next it's like, ugh. Ugh. yeah yeah and even just like there was one line too it was like i think it was like when when one begins looking for influences you like find them everywhere or mm. something and i was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah
I think like all I had for that second section was just like a million quotes written down. I mean, yeah, I think so too because there's that bit at the end too um, where he's talking about like I love America more than any other country in the world and exactly for this reason I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually and the whole like I think all theories are suspect that the finest principles may have to be modified or may may even be pulverized by the demands of life and that one must find therefore one's own moral center and move through the world hoping that the center will guide one aright yep like yeah (laughs) he's right (laughs) (sighs) yeah i know well i think it must have been close to that too because it was one i had written down was in effect you hated and feared the world and this meant that not only, you know, gave the world an altogether murderous power over me, but also was a self-destroying limbo I could never hope to write. I was like, what? Oh, like, yeah. This man. <laughs> this man. Well, there's so many even just like little, like almost throwaway lines. Like I know the the only reason, the only real concern of of an artist is to recreate out of the disorder of life. You know, which is art. And you're just like, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Well, some of it, much of it, too, he was talking about how, like, because he was a black writer, mm-hmm. like, he was in, like, that weird place of, like, obviously, he wanted to write about mm-hmm. his experience and the black experience. But then at the same time, he couldn't write about it too much or like too closely or too mm-hmm. openly because then that could be dangerous for him. Like, so this is weird. He was in like a weird place of exactly that thing, like about America, right? Of like, yeah, I have the right to call it out and I have the right to talk about it because it is my experience. But then mm-hmm. like, I'm still kind of not allowed to because. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the first part, mm-hmm. um, so everyone, everybody's protest novel. Yeah. Have you read Uncle Tom's Cabin? I have not read Uncle Tom's Cabin. Have you? No. See, I think I know about Uncle Tom's Cabin precisely. I mean, probably because of essays like this. Um, yeah. You know, and that sort of like, yeah, like that kind of disparaging Uncle Tom. Hmm. Like I know it's got it's got lots of problems. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really know the specifics of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I love that he just like straight up at one point is like Uncle Tom's Cabin is a very bad novel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, right for the throat there. Well, I love because he always um like refer to the author just as like. Mrs. Stowe, like he was never yeah. like putting the whole name, but just like almost that sort of like polite. When Mrs. Stowe was doing that, like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and yes, like, and that's a really good example of where, like, obviously, I haven't read the book, and as much as I like know, I don't like totally know, mm-hmm. like the entire story, but it was just like reading. Baldwin's words about and the way he talks about it you're just like oh okay I'm like yeah I'm sold and because it's supposed yeah, to be I... this like protest novel but then like right. isn't and yeah 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 
It's like, I think, like, one of his main criticisms, too, is that, like, um, it's like none of the characters seem very, like, like, people. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Whereas Baldwin is obviously writing such incredible characters that, like, yeah, you could be convinced they're actual real people. Mm -hmm. And not just sort of, like, a like figures in almost like a morality play. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just like takes people as people. I don't know. Um, well, especially because like the whole point of Uncle, I'm just kind of like casually looking at some of it too. Because like hmm. it's meant to be like an anti-slavery novel. Right. But like clearly not coming across as... Mm-mm. I mean, also written clearly by a white woman. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was a woman, so that's cool. Um, but like, yeah, you know, you tried hard, but uh, like. You tried hard, but all your characters are stereotypes anyway, and you're not quite getting there. Yeah. Because um, when was that? 1852. Okay. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so, yes, yeah, so like that was just. It was interesting to read that one just because yeah. I was like, oh, okay, like, I mean, not that I'm going to go read Uncle Tom's Cabin, but more like look into and like learn and research things and like. Yeah, it definitely gave me more insight into Uncle Tom's Cabin. I only really knew it as like a, I knew it existed. <laughs> well, because like, that's literally the, like one of the first things it says, like, yeah, it's supposed to be, it helped fuel like, uh, the abolitionist cause and like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff but also it inspired <laughs> it a lot of the like negative stereotypes yes about black people and you're like well yeah mm-hmm. it's like it's supposed to be this like what does it say here to the point where it actually overshadowed the historical effects of this book as a vital anti-slavery tool mm-hmm. because it was so like oppositional i guess yeah in that sense of like again they tried <laughs> You tried. What did you think about Many Thousand Gone? That one was also very interesting because I also have not read, what was it, Native Son? Yeah. Yeah, I've not read that one either. And I actually knew less about that than, well, no, maybe that's not fair that I knew less about it than Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, But yeah, probably. Um, But yeah, it was just, yeah, all that same stuff, right? Like it just. Yeah. When I look, because like he calls stuff out saying how like, like the way he writes it it's like capital the capital n negro like the negro Mm -hmm. the negro is a social problem but they're not considered it's not they they see it as a social problem not a personal or human problem Mm -hmm. so like it's just about statistics and dehumanization you're just like oh man yeah and how he's talking about like music was sort of the only way that they were allowed to tell their stories Mm mm-hmm I was like, oh, I hadn't, like, that's just such a. I know so many things you just, like, didn't think about. Yeah. (laughs) And again, because, and, like, that's moments where I had to keep being, like, this could have, this was written in, like, the 30s or 40s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, Did you make any notes or quotes from this section? I I did not, (laughs) again, because I just, 
I don't know, man. I was so inconsistent with this book, which is so terrible because I enjoyed it so much. But <laughs> I think because with with these first three, yeah, um, because I'm unfamiliar with the source material that he's writing about, yeah. Um, I think I was more like focused on trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, like, that's kind of the note that I had. And, like, that's yeah. what I was talking about. That sort of, like, it's not that it was over my head. It was just outside mm-hmm. of my pool of reference yeah. and knowledge and stuff. Yeah. But it was all just so beautiful. Uh, I think, like, the one quote that I have in the Many Thousand Gone essay was, The man does not remember the hand that struck him. The hand in the darkness remain within him. Indivisible from him forever. Part of the passion that drives him here wherever he thinks to take flight i was like oh yeah just because like that plays into like so many things that people talk about now of like trauma and mental health and like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff of like it just kind of like lives in you and i was like oh yeah 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 um the next essay carmen jones the dark is light enough um I didn't know specifically about this film. Me neither. Because uh, because it it's a play on Carmen, like the opera the Carmen. Opera. Yeah. And it was made by Otto Preminger, who like was actually kind of like a big director of the time. Cool. Obviously, old white man. <laughs> Naturally. Um, but it was kind of like the first time that someone purposely like redid something to then have okay. an all black cast. Interesting. And kind of, like, a few of the things that I sort of, like, looked up. So, like, yes, obviously he was, like, an old white man. But, so, like, that was kind of a big deal. But he also did, like, a lot of his films had to do with, like, you know, different taboos and this and that that, like, people didn't talk about. So, like, Mm. he actually kind of led to the ending of the production code. So, like... Oh, like the Hayes Code? Yeah. Oh, damn. Um... And because there was, like, because, <laughs> like, the little bit that I was reading was talking about how, like, I mean, not with, obviously, like, Carmen Jones was because it was with black a black cast. But other ones of his films were, like, you know, it was a problem because he used the word pregnant. Because back then you couldn't use the word oh, pregnant. Oh, my God. And uh, there was another one that involved, like, rape and murder and obviously had a lot of associated words. And he, like... Like, he refused to change any of them. I think the only one was, you know, like, instead of, like, penetration, it was violation or, like, they changed that. Mm. But because he just, like, refused to stand down on all this kind of stuff because he kept, with all of his different films, were about sort of the things that people weren't talking about and the people who weren't allowed to have experiences. So, yeah, it actually, like, started the end of that stuff. So then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And, like, this film had, like, Dorothy Dandridge and... Mm-hmm. Harry Belafonte and like all the kind of stuff so like that was cool but like it, it totally seemed that like even for Dorothy Dandridge that this was kind of like the beginning of the end because it was like a weird thing mm-hmm. at the time like obviously um, but yeah so that was kind of cool to learn about yeah it was I also I love that he has a little footnote here where he, like, makes a note being, like, basically, <laughs> I'm not judging the professional competence of the actors here. 
I'm just <laughs> judging this film. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just really funny. I was yeah. like, all right, cool. <laughs> so like, as an aside, I'm not saying anything about these actors personally or their ability to do their jobs. <laughs> it was just, you know, working with what they were given. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, so much of it, too, was just, like, because obviously, again, like, it's supposed to be an opera, but then, like, they've changed right. it and, like, adapted it to, like, some of it definitely seemed to be, like, very stereotypical, like, mm-hmm. black, you know, what people would think of, like, black culture at the time. And you're just like, yeah, that makes sense. It probably, they weren't necessarily acting at their best because they weren't really given the best. I mean, there are times you watch certain movies where you're like, I can't even blame this performance on the actor because oh. how does one do anything with this script? <laughs> Well, so often, too, just when everyone's like, oh, my God, like, why did that person make this movie? And you're like, because this probably isn't the script that they signed on for. Also that, yeah. They, so many of the reasons that, like, even if, say, they absolutely did want to do the film and it wasn't some, like, weird contract mm-hmm. or anything, like, they were like, yes, I want to do this. By the time it goes through all of the things, oh, yeah. the rewrites, like, the edits, the, the edits. whatevers, it could be something completely different. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the one thing yeah. that I read was that, like, yeah, Belafonte and Dandridge kind of were, like, never talked about this again. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, this one was pretty entertaining because I was like, yeah. he's being ruthless about this. <laughs> yeah, well, and it just made me so excited for the entire collection on, like, Yeah, films, right, which... same. I was like, oh, I need to read the rest <laughs> of his, his film essays for sure. I feel like I've started it probably, like, seven times, I'm sure. Okay. Um... Or at least read, like, one of them. But, yeah, I'm excited. And it's pretty small. It's a quick... Nice. Um, the Harlem Ghetto in part two was really good. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this whole, like, second section. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed all of it. But, like, yeah. yeah. Harlem is one of the random places that I have been to in New York. <laughs> oh, cool. I've never been to Harlem. <laughs> the, very, also- the very first time that I went, like... The, I was staying with friends of friends, so yeah. I could, like, stay an extra day to, like, do stuff in New York. And they randomly live in Harlem. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I always forget that Harlem, the name Harlem, comes from Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's always stuff about, like, you know, the Amsterdam, the New Amsterdam, and, like, mm-hmm. just all that stuff that kind of, like, ties into that stuff. Yeah, that was really interesting, all the different, like newspapers and stuff and like Mm -hmm. publications and sort of like the politics of everything yeah yeah like it's its own whole little i mean obviously it's a whole own little community but in that sense of like there's like republican magazines and Mm -hmm. there's like all these other ones yeah and just all the different churches and stuff they were talking about yeah well even just like the mention of like ebony magazine which i don't know if that is still being published but i know it's like it was for a long time or yeah or is it just like a a website now yeah this is the thing is i no longer know which magazines are still like actually printed publications because so many of them have folded it, at least like, like it's, the it, it one, yeah like it version. definitely still exists as as a website as a website as in okay. like ebony magazine but like right. i don't know if it's physically but that was cool i didn't realize it was such an old magazine yeah yeah, so that was pretty 1945? cool. 1945, yeah. Yeah, that's like, crazy. damn. 
Which I think is really cool because, again, yeah, like, I would have thought it was more, like, 60s or 70s. But, yeah, like, same. To have something so established and published like that, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was just really cool to, like, yeah, see this. Like, he really gives you a picture of, like, the, like, little political and, like, cultural specificities of Harlem. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um... Now is when I first made the note of like it all just feels current, mm-hmm. like it didn't necessarily feel even just you know because he's talking about how like the buildings were old and the the congestion and you know the thought of like having some leaders who give like actual representation but like they're mm-hmm. actually just in it for their own careers but then like it's better to have a playground than to not have a playground so at least we have yeah. a playground and like all that stuff and I was like oh my god I know right <laughs> and then. And then it kind of goes into about, like, the relationship between the blacks in Harlem and the Jews and, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff just, like, felt so yeah too. That was really interesting, too. Well, yeah, because they kind of, like, saw, like, at the time, like, the Jews were sort of, like, the scapegoats. So, like, it's kind of everyone needs someone to, like, put down almost. I kind of, mm-hmm. like, that was the thing, the feeling that I got. So they're like, well, we'll pick these people and, like, just, I'm like, oh, yeah. that's exactly how it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he really sort of gets into, like, almost the the psychology of why these kinds of beliefs and thoughts take hold of people. And in a very non-judgmental way, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Well, yeah, because I like the talk about the different, like, you know, you know, if you're working for someone, then obviously, you know, you're going to whatever. But then at the same time, you're going to say something about somebody else. And, like, just those, all the little, like, intricacies of it. And you're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that. Man. And in all of it, like, in all of the essays, even where, like, bad stuff is happening to him directly, like, and even, you know, like, if you think about the nonfiction, like, or the fiction, yeah, he just, he is not criticizing, but critiquing things mm-hmm. in, like, almost sort of, like, that non-judgmental, like, outside looking in, like. Yeah. Whereas he definitely could come in really hot on so many different topics. Oh, for sure. But it's just it's just from this place where, again, it's written so beautifully that you're just like, okay. Right? But then, yeah, like, it's just in such a, like, cool, calm, collected, informed manner. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, it does. Right? Yeah. 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 And even just like he was talking to you about how you, like people would learn to sort of gauge the other person's desires. So then you would like produce that version for them, Mm -hmm. which I think probably happens literally every day for a black person. Cause you have to figure out what the other person want, you know? And like, Oh, which is so just trying to like figure stuff out. Yeah. I like, I just couldn't, especially this one that I was just like, this is written, like, right now, right? I just right? couldn't. I could not I get know. over that. It just didn't feel like. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then in the next one, so Journey to Atlanta, mm-hmm. it was all just about, like, distrusting politicians and, yeah, you know, election promises not yeah. actually remotely coming into, like, real life and daily lives at all. And you're like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, truly, right? And quotes being bought and sold. And you're like, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. 
But yes, yeah, so it ended up, it was about, like, his brother had, like, a singing quartet that had, like, gone to Atlanta to, like, mm-hmm. what they thought was kind of, you know, sing for, like, someone who's trying to get elected and, like, you know, that kind of, like, election hoopla stuff. But then they totally were just, like, they had to canvas. And then, like, the lady didn't want them to, like, stay at the place anymore. So they had to, like, move and she wouldn't pick up their clothes. And then she just, like, wanted to send them back. And it was all just this, like, yeah, very classic of the times. The only thing that ever made me remember that this was, like, written oh, a like long time ago yes. was when they talked about money. Oh, yes. Right? And because it was like, you know, so, like, everyone makes, you know, $2.75 a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it was like, but, you know, we took so much for their room a day, and then we took so much for this. And you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So three dollars a day what yeah wild right i don't even i feel like it would cost me three dollars just to walk to the other side of my apartment right now like (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah uh and then then we get to the notes of a native son which is like yes the infamous the, the the naming the yeah i can see why it's the title the title essay yeah because like this one feels the most well maybe not the most personal but because it's his dad like that just kind of yeah 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 um yeah i really really liked this one yeah um because you get such a good look into the like really complicated relationship he had with his father Well, and I like yeah. how it was like broken into like the three parts too. Three sections, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so crazy because like so his dad died in 1943, mm-hmm. and then like hours later, his youngest brother was born. I know it's wild, right? <gasps> I know. And then that's when all the like riots were happening. So yeah, they had to like drive his father to the cemetery, like through destroyed streets. Like, oh man, Ugh, yeah. And it was his 19th birthday. Like, what a, I just, man. What a week, right? Like, because right? I'm assuming, you know, it probably wasn't, like, too many days in between. So your dad dies that you had, like, you know, a tumultuous relationship with. Mm-hmm. You have a brother born, but then it's your 19th birthday, yeah. but you have to, like, <laughs> quickly stop partying with your friend for a second to go bury him. And you're just like, mm-hmm. oh. I know. Man. Yeah. Oh, man. But so, and, like, so his dad had tuberculosis, but also, like, had some sort of, they just said, you know, like, disease of the mind or something. Right. Um, whereas, like, now I'm sure they would have, like... Actually given him a proper diagnosis? Yeah, and it was, like, his mom kind of only figured out that something was for sure wrong because he kept thinking they were poisoning his food. Yes, that's so right. So that's yeah, when he like... was, like, committed, and then he had TB, and yeah. then at that point it was, like, just too late, and you're like... Mm-hmm. Well, and then he wasn't eating, right? So yeah. even if even though they had him hooked up to an IV, it was like there's only so much they can do, especially in, what yeah. was it, 1945, 1943? Yeah. Like, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just like the small little things about how, like, anytime, so because his dad was a pastor, anytime he, like, went away for stuff, 
he would come back, he would always bring a surprise for the kids, but like it was always somehow like the wrong surprise. Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I just, I get that. Yeah. (laughs) I just understand that feeling of the like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you just like, yeah, there was some like really good lines too about um, like talking about how, like when he's talking about hating his father. Mm-hmm. Um, where is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was It was only that I had hated him and I wanted to hold on to this hatred. I did not want to look on him as a ruin. It was not a ruin I had hated. I imagine that one of the reasons people cling to their hates so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone that they will be forced to deal with pain. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah, because he didn't want to go... He didn't want to go visit his father in the hospital or institution or wherever he was Mm -hmm. with his aunt because, like, it was going to change that, like... Which I also totally get, right? Like, if Mm -hmm. you have such a feeling towards thing, but then, like, you see him kind of not in his right mind and sick and mm-hmm. whatever it kind of it's hard to come in and be like I still hate you right um, not that I've experienced anything like that the time that I had to live with my grandma when she was dying it's fine it's fine oh man it's only been like 20 years I'm not bitter whatsoever not at uh, all <laughs> I understand you James Baldwin I understand you um, but then, yeah, then I think right after that, he kind of even says, he's like, once he got there, he realized, like, his dad wasn't even there. Like, that wasn't yeah. him anymore. Yeah. And then, yeah, just, like, the funeral. Oh, he I was, know. He was, like, downtown partying with a friend. Yeah. During the day. And they had pl- made plans to, like, go out that night, because, again, it was his birthday. So he was kind of tipsy, and, like, she managed to, like, find enough sort of black and dark clothes and get him ready enough. Mm-hmm. And then he had to, like go back and then that's when like all of these memories came back and you're just like oh right and that's when he had the like i think they had the conversation of like you really want to be a writer and like mm-hmm. not a minister and he was like yeah i want to be a writer and you're just like oh i mean hey thank god for that right yeah yeah but yeah and- after that like tiny conversation yeah and then he says that's all that was all we said it was awful to remember that that was all we had ever said yeah i was like god damn (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and even there's like a tiny little addition to the story when because he was working in new jersey before he came home like because his dad before he was kind of like asked to come home because like your dad's sick and your mom's about to burst pop pop (laughs) (laughs) um pregnant ladies pop they don't burst Mm, well you know I mean, that's how I came forth into this world. Um, a burst or a pop? A burst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an only child for a reason. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure that uh, that route wasn't being taken again. Okay. Um, but, like, he'd been working in Jersey and, like, every time – and it was all, like, in, like – what was it? In, like, munitions plants or something mm-hmm. uh, for the war. And he'd been going to this restaurant and, like, placing an order – and, like, getting his food and whatever. But it was, like, 
a week later that he realized that like none of that food was actually yeah. the food that he ordered. Like he was just taking someone else's order because they don't actually serve black people. Yeah. And then he'd gone to like a restaurant that night and ended up like pitching a glass at the waitress and then his friend like saved him and he had this moment where he had to like was like literally running for the cops and then like then had to go home and like stuff was happening in his family. You're just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting too because like he's always got such a like kind of like level way of talking about things but like he talks about how like angry he was. And in that moment how he was like, oh no, I like yeah kind of wanted to murder and like yeah which is like he talks a lot too just throughout a bunch of the different essays how like you know people have come to say that like a trait of especially during these days like all black people want to kill people all black people want to commit crime and like that kind of stuff and he was just like no in that moment that was Mm -hmm. i felt that sort of that sort of stereotype of like the angry black man or the angry black woman like yeah but then he, he does it in such a way that you can, it's so obvious why that anger is there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That was such mm-hmm. a good, such a good essay. And again, like, yeah, all this is happening by the time, like on his 19th birthday. I, just, I oh, know. Man. Man. Yeah. Even just that of like all of this stuff. Like, he started everything so young. You know, like, they mentioned about how he had wrote a play and, like, his teacher wanted to take him to a play. And then that was a whole other thing with his dad because his dad didn't really, like, believe in that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff or could have been part of the mental health issues or whatever. But just, like, yeah, he'd been doing all this stuff when he was so young. Like, writing all these things when he was, like, 10 and 12 and, man. I know. So crazy. Which, I mean, I guess was also just all humans of younger ages were <laughs> out working and doing yes. that kind of stuff yeah. because of wars and stuff where thankfully yeah. most of our children do not now. But man, wild. Right? That was just such a good one. Like It really was, yeah. And I think just because like I could, I, f- I felt like, and not, not because I've been torn, but just because I felt like I could see it again, like see mm-hmm. it so well, like just the area and the places and the things and the stuff and like man yeah yeah like there's that there's that part where he's talking about um i guess it's his younger siblings going to look at his dad in the casket yeah um and how he had like a a weird like he kind of thinks that they shouldn't have to but like how they also have like such what's something very gallant about children at such moments but then he, he says something about their legs like their legs somehow seem exposed, so that so that it is at once incredible and terribly clear that their legs are all they have to hold them up. Ugh. And it was just I was just like, oh my god! Like yeah. it's such a it seems like such a almost mundane observation, but like the way that he mm-hmm. writes it, like you're just like, oh my god! It gets at like their vulnerability in a particular way that. Well, and also like, I mean, to me anyway, I feel like it's such a thing that like nobody ever points out that like right maybe like should these i understand like saying a final goodbye but like maybe these kids shouldn't go like stare at their dead Mm -hmm. father in his coffin like yeah um 
Thankfully, we are a family of cremators. Um, <laughs> I've only ever seen one person. I will never forget it. <laughs> um, I have seen multiple people. I'm pretty sure it's only been the one. Because, yeah, yeah we're all... We're very cremating. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just... And especially, like... And, again, like, this was, like, the grandpa of, like, a friend growing up kind of a thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, But, like, to see your own family... Like, again, I understand the whole, like, oh, go look... But, like, should kids just, like, do that? I'm, like... <laughs> And they were with yeah, other family I don't, members. I don't, like, like my grandfather, I was so young when my grandfathers died that I don't yeah. remember if, don't yeah. remember seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember if I was at those funerals. Yeah. Um, but I remember my seeing my grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild to me that we're just like, yeah, cool. Go look at this person. Right. Go look at this person lying here. <laughs> Their makeup done. Well, yeah, that, right? Like, it's just so, like, not even real. Oh, man. Wild times. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really liked, obviously, <laughs> who are we kidding? Uh, part three. So, like, all mm-hmm. the stuff. Same. In Paris and Europe and everything. Yeah. Man. Well, especially, too, because in, in every single one, it's such an interesting look at the differences between race in America and race in Europe. Yeah. Um, and what it means to be black in America versus black in Europe. Yeah. It was just very fascinating. And also just even just like to be an American in Paris at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very cool. Yeah. Cause like the first, um, essay in that section encounter on the Seine, black meets Brown. It's kind of that like American black people mm-hmm. go to Paris and then like African black people going mm-hmm. there because there's so many people on there like gi bills and stuff and like so they went there to like learn and everything and just how like it's just so different and weird because then like, like well i mean yeah. even just like from a historical standpoint yeah. of like the history of black people in america versus yeah african people in france a part of africa like part of africa that is still colonized by france like yeah whereas in America, there's like this weird thing where they broke from that sort of colonizing entity so early, but mm-hmm. at the same time, slavery was so ingrained for so long. I don't know. It's just a, it was just a very interesting like, yeah, thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, especially it's in the. Is it in the? Oh, I think there's one that I. Oh, it must be the last one. I didn't write the last one. The name of the last one down stranger in the village Mm. um because so in that one like obviously like he's going to this little tiny town in switzerland and he's like they've never seen a black person which is wild and even he's like it's super weird but i mean i guess it is like way up in some mountain whatever but it's just like what i just like forget that there would be places in the world where people would have never seen a black person but at the same time they're like collecting money at the church to like buy some to convert to Christianity. Yeah, that was very strange. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> but it was just okay. such a like, it was really interesting to kind of think about how even just like 
the slavery aspect is different. Like, mm-hmm. everyone that he taught, you know, was so nice and kind to him. And, like, as much as they were so, like, in awe of seeing him as a physical thing that they had never seen before. Right. He does say, like, none of them were coming from a negative place. They were right. literally just, like, had didn't understand how his skin worked. Like, how, mm-hmm. like, the color doesn't wipe off and, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then, like, that sort of, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're just, like getting money at the church, blah, blah, versus, like, because, like, slavery in America is just such a specific thing. Yeah, it really thing. is. And, like, everything that, like, happened afterwards, too, like, with emancipation yeah. and, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, with segregation. And, like, it just, it's just, like, a constant. Yeah. Just, you know, a, a new racism, institutionalized racism with, like, a new flavor, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because, like, the way that you can still see the effects of, like, segregation and stuff today just based on, like, the way housing falls and, like, mm-hmm. like housing yeah. redlining and stuff like that is so, it's so bananas to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, the legacy of slavery is still felt extremely hard in America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and then the, I think it was a question of identity when he was just talking about the different American GIs who are studying in Paris and like mm-hmm. how some, that was also really interesting because he was kind of like, there's some people who are there doing that, but they still kind of come from it from a place of like, I'm American, America's my home, I'm here studying. But then there's the mm-hmm. other ones who go and like live with a French family and like actually learn French and like kind of are more immersing themselves in it and you can never really tell who's who but then you know some of the people that go there to learn would have learned exactly the same stuff in new york but like why do they go to paris like is it that like ooh, paris is you know famous and like the history and the legends and mm-hmm. the traditions but then like i th- think he had a quote too where he said something about like it's this romantic notion of like you're going to a city that only ever has ever existed in your head yeah I was just like, oh man. I know, right? Because yeah, like sort of like idea of like what makes a Parisian and like yeah, yeah. But then like from that viewpoint of like American GIs, but like different and like just Mm -hmm. in ways that like I hadn't thought about it. But it was really interesting just to think about like because like even now like people still (laughs) people move to Europe all the time. Yeah. (laughs) They do indeed. <laughs> um, and like, so it's going to be that experience of like, how immersive do you get? Like, what is the mm-hmm. thing? And then just, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting one for sure. And then because like, I knew that he, you know, spent so much time there, but it was just, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've ever read anything about this or like this before. Yeah, right? So it's just kind of like a new topic to then be like, oh, this is actually, like, really interesting to think about that, like, just of someone moving somewhere and, like... Yeah, the extent yeah. to which you kind of, like, immerse yourself in it or hold yourself from it at a distance from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, and then Equal in Paris is obviously amazing. <laughs> right? Also, I'm sorry, but can we talk about the sheer insanity of being in jail for eight days because of a stolen bedsheet. 
right? What? <laughs> that he didn't even steal? Yeah, so like... There was, like, you know, the friend of the friend of the acquaintance, whatever, who was from New York and happened to be in Paris mm-hmm. and, like, knew his name. So they, like, were hanging out. Cause it's, and, like, that, I was like, oh, you totally get that, right? It's the, like... Yeah. My parents try to do that all the time. Oh, this random person that we know is going to be in Toronto. You should talk to them. No. Well, and um, he talks even about how, like, because they're away yeah. in a different place. Um, and so, you know, it's not familiar. You don't necessarily know a lot of people or have a lot of friends. So suddenly somebody that you probably never would have interacted yeah. with back home, you're like, oh, yeah, we have we have things in common for sure. Yeah, let's hang out just because you happen to be from the same place and have that common ground to begin with. He even says, like, you know, after yeah. a couple drinks, we were like, oh, yeah. no, we don't have enough to talk about. This He's is like, a problem. No, but this is bad. <laughs> but, like, too late now. But, yeah, so, so this funny. other guy, this friend, had stayed at a different hotel yeah. And said that it was awful, so he was coming to stay with James, but he stole one of the bed sheets. Yeah. And then James's sheets hadn't been changed in a while, so he put it on because he was like, yeah. oh, cool, like, clean sheet. Right. And then the fact that somehow the pol- like this... Oh, the fact that the police tracked this down is absolutely the most insane part of the story to me. Like, what kind of law what order? What is happening? Like, that they were able to figure out who this random New York tourist was who was staying oh at God. Hotel A... That then right? he was going to then be in Hotel B in someone else's room. Like, it's not even listed under him. That then yeah. they were, like, ripping it apart and, like, found the sheet. I was like, what? I know. This is crazy. Right? And yeah, then they were arrested. And it was Christmas. And everything, <sighs> like, in France, just they kind of, like, you know, move at their own speed. Kind of seemed mm-hmm. to be what the gist was. And you're just like, what? Yeah. So wild. So wild. But then also it was really interesting um, the way he kind of like when he realizes he's going to be in jail and isn't really sure yeah. what's happening. And his realization that if this were happening in Harlem, he would have a better idea of what was going to happen and how yeah, how these people were going to like basically behave in any way. Like he realizes he has no frame of reference for how the legal system works in France and how these French policemen are going to like, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's man, that's crazy. Well, yeah. Cause like, it wasn't even the language things. It was just that no. like, cause you it's, know, like it's more of like a cultural yeah. thing of how, yeah. Things you at least you don't understand. Think about yeah, exactly. Like how... he could predict kind of how a Harlem police officer was going to behave towards him in a yeah. situation like this, but he had no context of how a French police officer would do the same thing. Yeah, and, like, they didn't yeah. seem to, like, you know, the one, like, stole cigarettes and whatever, but, like, they weren't necessarily, like, mean to him or anything, mm-hmm. but everything was just, like, not explained and moving yeah. very slow and, like, okay, whatever, and you're going to be here. And then, and then they, like, the prison that you went to was dependent on, like, your last name. <laughs> so weird. Like, alphabetically. Yeah. So, like, he and his but friend were split up. But only the first three letters of the alphabet yeah. went to the one. <laughs> and then all the rest went to the other, so it was yeah. obviously worse, because I'm assuming there was a lot more people. Right. So arbitrary. Yeah. But, like, thankfully he happened to know, like, I can't remember what kind of attorney he was, but, like, some kind of, not criminal law, but, like, some kind of lawyer. And one of the guys that was in the cell, like, was getting out, so he was just, like, Mm. you know, and had asked, like, does anyone, can I do anything for anyone, like, once I get out? So he gave him a name, and he, like, happened to come, but he's like, yeah, it's Christmas, nothing's gonna happen, like. Yeah. Ugh. But then, yeah, then they, like, get released and whatever. And I was just like, wow. 
I know. It was absolutely bananas. What but yeah, that? like, so there's this line where he's talking about, like, he he understands, quote unquote, what the French officers are saying to them. Yeah. Something about, like, it's not that serious. Like, it's nothing at all. Yeah. Um, and then it says, later on, I concluded that they were not being hypocritical or even trying to comfort us. They meant exactly what they said. It was only that they spoke another language. And, like, in that line, he doesn't just mean like literally another language like they're speaking french he yeah. means it's like a different understanding of how these things work mm-hmm. which i just thought was such a really cool succinct way to give that kind of a double meaning i was like oh man yeah, yeah. like and it gets at sort of the heart of the way that language itself can really yeah. affect the way you understand and see the world yeah 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 just like right <laughs> <laughs> I also really, really enjoyed um, some of his descriptions in this. Like at the very, yeah. very beginning when he's describing the hotel and like the man that's running it. Yes. <laughs> the place was run by an ancient Frenchman dressed in an elegant black suit, which was green with age, who cannot properly be described as bewildered or even as being in a state of shock since he had really stopped breathing around 1910. <laughs> Yes. It's just so good. I was like, oh my god, that's hilarious. Like it's such a good description. Like I couldn't believe it. Oh man. And I love when he talks about like going to Cafe Floor and like Yeah. With his notebook ready to write, but then ends up like drinking a lot of coffee and a lot of alcohol and not really getting any writing done. And I was like, mm. mood. <laughs> glad it's not just me i'm glad james baldwin was having this the same issue with writing yes <laughs> uh, anyway it was really good i really enjoyed that one a lot well and just too that like again because in that difference kind of like i think going in i was like oh man like what is going to happen because we mm-hmm. are so much more used to right american prison situations Correct. especially with black people and anyone who's remotely different from anything mm-hmm. I was just like oh man like and especially I was like oh my god this can be over a sheet like what's gonna happen right but then like it what like which sounds so like awful to say but like it was yes obviously you know like it was too many days and it was over Christmas mm-hmm. and, and things got delayed because they didn't have a translator and whatever but like it was okay right you know, because like, like I it sucked, I was like, but it was fine. Yeah, because like I'm yeah. just so used to like, oh my god, like what's gonna happen? Is this right. gonna turn into Oz? Like what's going on? Yeah. But yeah, so like. Mhm. That also was like, oh. Phew. I know. Um, but then yeah, so like Stranger in the Village, I also like like it was just so. Mm-hmm. Like again, just like stuff that I hadn't known about or thought about, or just that like. Oh, yeah, there's this line, people are trapped in history, and history is trapped in them. Yeah. Ugh. And, like, the very last line, this world is white no longer and will never be white again. Yeah. hmm Yes. Correct. Um, and, yeah, because he, he keeps comparing it to, like, versus an American. You're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. But then also, it's just like really interesting that he kept going to this like little tiny village in Switzerland to like work for the winter. And right. Like, 
and I, I think that's like it's like I want to read like a biography like an actual like biography on him just to like because I feel like I have like so many bits and pieces and I'm sure that a lot of the fiction books that we read also have bits and pieces because that's just kind of you know yeah how a lot of like writers work so I just like especially with this and these nonfiction things like I just mm-hmm. want to know more about him I know right yeah I want to read more by him and I want to know yes. more about him yes yeah we're gonna we're gonna work our way through yeah. all of them for yes. sure yeah. Well, that's why it was, it was funny when we were deciding which one to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, do you have any of them? Because I have these ones. And I was like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to buy it. Like, I plan to own all of these books. Yes. Like, those are going to be one of the ones that, you know, anytime I call my bookshelf to be a more responsible human being, the James Baldwin collection will remain. Oh, yeah. For always. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's got to be, like, a relatively good biography out there, right? I would think so. Man. Well, I'm just, like, there's a quote on the back, too, like, Baldwin's vision, his humor, his tragic, tragically beautiful style make this a book to turn to for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, I feel like there's just so much that could be said about all of them, but then, like... It does all the things, right? It wants us mm-hmm. to learn more and educate ourselves about other things. But also it was just, like, beautiful. But there were, like, funny bits. But there were, like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just everything. And it's, again, like, with all of his writing, it's the kind of thing that, like, I would like to go back and read again. Because I'm sure there are things in it yeah, that I would pick up on, like, with every subsequent read. Like, it's just so, he just has, he's saying so much. One, and I knew and I that it. I was just, like not in the headspace for it yeah like it just when we picked it i was like great and then these last couple weeks it was like no Uh, (laughs) i know right because even because yeah like i read like the first bit on like my flight to new york Mm -hmm. but then on the flight back i didn't even i think i took it out but i just like held it and i like just like listened to me because like i just couldn't even because at that point i was exhausted for being around people for five days and then when I was reading it, obviously, in the past 24 hours. Of course. Um, I just was not going into it with, like, because of just so much other stuff happening. So, like, mm-hmm. I know, especially in the the first yes. few or, like, somewhere, if there's 10, probably, like, two to five, um, I wasn't taking in as much as I should have, like... I was the same. And I don't know if that was in part to just like, um, I mean, it has been kind of a crazy couple weeks, Yeah. but also <laughs> because the first three essays are yeah. about actual books mm-hmm. and a movie that I have no frame of reference for really. Yeah. Um, I think that made it a little harder to get into those ones. Yeah. Cause as soon as I hit that second part, I was like, Oh yeah, we're like, we're here. We're good. We're going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those first few, I was like, oh no, I don't think I'm in the right headspace for this. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh great. This is going to be a problem. But, but yeah, it's just, yeah, he's just wonderful. And he really is. That's just that. Yeah. 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 I just feel like you could just like always like randomly open to a page and there's going to be like amazing quote. After 100%. Amazing quote after amazing yeah. quote. For sure. Yeah. 
I just want to like be able to write like one good quote. Right. Never mind multiple books of good quotes. Yeah. James Baldwin is absolutely one of those writers that I read and I'm like, well, why do I try? <laughs> well, it is that, it's that sense of like, again, like maybe leaning towards like the bi- biography or something. It's the like, I would love to know more about his thoughts and pros. Like, yeah, it, it reads like it came so easy to him. I know, right? Which like. I'm assuming it did not. Based on that quote about going to Cafe Flora and not writing. <laughs> Maybe it didn't. But yeah, like it's just this, there's just such an, no matter what he's talking about, it's the ones that are heavier, the ones that are lighter yeah. or whatever it's about. It just seems to flow so easily that I'm like, is this just mm-hmm. like first draft, last draft? Like what happened? Like, or is everything like painstakingly and like edited and this and that and like versions and does he have little scraps of paper and notes and like what? Yeah. What's your process, James Baldwin? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I do need to get a Ouija board. (laughs) I just want to talk to him to find out. Yeah, he's like one of those people where like people ask you if you could talk to anybody living or dead, who would it be? Like he's one of them. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah, I just would like to sit down with this man and have a conversation. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for next year. And right? Or whichever one we pick. Which one will we pick next? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is Baldwin. If you haven't read any Baldwin, it literally doesn't matter. Just pick one. Yeah, just pick one. Uh, you're going to see, you know, this on the list. You're going to see Giovanni's Room on the list. Mm-hmm. As we've said, we started with another country and like, I would never change that for a million years same um we love that one yeah they're all good <laughs> just pick one and dive in it's true it's very true Man. um on a rather opposite note <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna be back in two weeks with our next book club episode yes uh, which is Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Extremely fun. So we're going to talk about some lady witches because, you know. Yeah. We Very like excited. to uh, cover all bases here. We do. We love that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, so we will see you in two weeks. Bye.